Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, and welcome to The Parting Shot, your dose of everything pop culture. I'm H. Allen Scott. For the last 60 years, we've been watching one TV show. Jeopardy! Let's meet today's contestant. An administration... That's Buzzy Cohn, winner of the 2017 Tournament of Champions on Jeopardy and host of the new podcast, This is Jeopardy, the story of America's favorite quiz show. When I heard there was going to be a podcast about Jeopardy, both the history, the legacy, and the game itself, I knew I had to talk to the show's host. You see... While I'm a fan of the show, like millions of others, I've never felt really smart enough for Jeopardy. You know what I mean? My only connection to the show are the pop culture moments that the show's featured on, like that episode of The Golden Girls where Dorothy was on the show, or my favorite, the episode of Mama's Family where Mama won a trip to Hawaii. It's a great two-parter episode. I highly recommend you watch it. And of course, there's that thinking music, which is right up there with the theme song to Friends, in my opinion. But you see, in my case, that thinking music would just go on and on and on. Okay, enough. You get it. I'm dumb. Well, correction. I'm Jeopardy dumb. I feel like I would do well on Celebrity Jeopardy because that's really more about celebs just being celebrities and not actually smart, right? Like, what I lack in the smart department, I really make up for in personality, which, frankly, is why I'm a podcast host. Anyway... All of this is to say I was eager to talk with an actual IRL smart person like Buzzy Cohen, an icon of the game. I had to ask him, what makes a great Jeopardy contestant? How do they do it? How do you prepare? Do you have to actually work out? Buzzy worked out. We'll get to that. It's really interesting. And after Alex Trebek's death in 2020, how is the show evolving into this new era? So... Go on and grab a snack and put your thinking cap on because I'll be right back with Buzzy Cohen to talk everything Jeopardy. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Okay, so I have to admit something to you. I did not know, I mean, I knew of Jeopardy, of course. Everyone knows of Jeopardy. Yeah. But 
I'm a huge Golden Girls fan, and how I learned of Jeopardy as a kid was the episode in which Dorothy is yes. in a dream sequence on yes. Jeopardy, and she tells Merv Griffin, the creator of Jeopardy, that he is the anti-Trump. Please, you are the most beloved man in America. You are bright. You are you are charming. You are the anti-Trump. <laughs> Excuse me, Dorothy, but Mr. Griffin really hates it when people kiss up to him. Isn't that right, Your Excellency? Absolutely right. And just for that, no parting gifts. All right. And it is one of the best quotes that continues to get spread on the Internet. And so that is literally my only connection to Jeopardy. My love of Golden okay. Girls with Dorothy on Jeopardy, <laughs> which I mean, that's it speaks to, I, I, you know, not to get into like the, the story here, but it's like. Yeah. The fact that, you know, Golden Girls, Cheers, Mm -hmm. uh, The Simpsons, I just randomly like I was on a plane and I was watching Free Guy. Yeah. And it's like, how do they show that this thing is like a big deal? They show a clip of a clue on Jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. There's also I mean, this is getting real deep and this might admit the trash person that I am. But Mama's family also had a whole like episode dedicated to Jeopardy. And I was obsessed. Actually, it was like even a four part episode because they won a trip to Hawaii and they went to Hawaii. Yeah. So it was like yes. Jeopardy Palooza on mama's family. Yes. Totally. And you know, what's also interesting is like, um, SNL is like, it yeah. feels like it's half Jeopardy or Jeopardy like kind yeah. of parodies. Yeah. I, I was talking to some people who have a trivia podcast in the UK, mm-hmm. um, who write for a big, quiz show in the uk and they're like we really only know about you know now jeopardy is coming to the uk but we really only know about jeopardy from the snl thing snl you know celebrity <laughs> jeopardy parodies and like what a weird way into like so what for a, americans is like this institution of knowledge yeah you know? well and it's so interesting because it is so ubiquitous within American culture, pop culture, particularly with it being referenced yeah. on shows. And I mean, I love the celebrity Jeopardy because I love to see celebrities be dumb. It, it, it really yep. just it just it brings so much joy to my heart whenever they get really angry about not knowing um, a question. But I want to know, when did you first become aware of Jeopardy? Mm. I'm not sure exactly when I became, quote unquote, aware of it, but I was from a very young age, a nightly watcher of Mm. jeopardy um and to the point where i had internalized the length of the commercial breaks um and at you know age like 11 or 12 i would watch jeopardy go to a commercial i'd switch to uh the syndicated simpsons rerun that was on another channel but i would know i always knew when to switch back because i didn't miss any jeopardy like i whatever that commercial break length was yeah had entered into my bones. Um, that's how much of a Jeopardy watcher I was. And I found like, I found um, I was on the quiz bowl team in high school and I found like a newspaper article from my high school that was talking about the quiz bowl team. And it was like, yeah, um, it's basically like playing Jeopardy and I love Jeopardy. You know, this was me yeah. at like 16 or 17. So at that point I was already like really, really into it. So, well, and also, I mean, I remember as a kid, there was the separate because, I mean, if if you found that someone liked game shows, which I loved game shows as a kid, I still do. And but if someone said they liked Wheel of Fortune or whatever, and then someone said they liked Jeopardy, I would always be like, Jeopardy is the bigger flex, because if you like Jeopardy, totally you're smart. If you like Wheel of Fortune, you're good at guessing. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to say anything ill of Wheel of Fortune, but um, there's you have a one in twenty six chance of a, a correct answer on Wheel of Fortune, whereas the the volume of possible correct answers on Jeopardy tends to be much larger. How's that for <laughs> yes. for a diplom a diplomatic response? That is a literal <laughs> Jeopardy contestant response to Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> well, so but what's funny? What's funny is I do I do watch Wheel of Fortune not not as religiously as I watch Jeopardy. I'm not very good at it. I'm oh, not really? a great Wheel of Fortune player. Yeah, it's it's a different skill set. You know, I'm not. There are some Jeopardy people who are really good at word games. You know, like Ken yeah. crushes the wordplay stuff, like you know, crosswords, anagrams. You know, there was a there was a category once that was name to initials to Roman numerals to numbers. Okay, oh, wow. I wouldn't. So it would be it would be like uh, I'm trying to think of. Uh, sh- um, you know, she was the author of. Gone with the Wind, yeah. and the answer is two thousand, right? Because it's yeah. Margaret Mitchell MM two thousand. Oh, so already blew my brain, right? So Ken yeah. just like crushes those categories. Yeah. And I'm like yeah. sitting there, like, okay, which you know, and he's just like through it. So I think wordplay. I I've tr- I tried to get better at it, but it's one of those things. So I think that I, I Wheel of Fortune. I think I would embarrass myself, but I did spin the wheel once, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, fun! There is there is really that separation, and I mean, I'm definitely a People Magazine crossword puzzle person, and right. then the, the New York puzzler. Yeah, I'm a People puzzler, and then there's the New York Times crossword puzzle people, right. which I mean. That's a different class. That's a different yeah. group of people. Those are the Jeopardy contestants. <laughs> well, so like, how did the podcast come about? Yeah, so we were um, we've been doing Inside Jeopardy for a few months now, almost a year, coming up on a year, and that show is really um, you know a current. It's like a Jeopardy news show. It's what's happening right now in the world of Jeopardy. The last week of shows, what's happening on social media, and one thing that I was really interested in understanding that I wanted to share with people is like, how did we get here? Mm -hmm. How did we get to the point that Jeopardy is a game show, a a syndicated game show and aspects of it are being covered in Newsweek and the New York times and, you know, the Washington post and that on late night shows, they're talking about whatever it is, contestants, clues, people like, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. And that's really like, what we go into. It's not a chronological, like in this, you know, in the third year of the show, blah, blah, blah. But we really dig into like, how, how did this show become what it is today? The yeah. people that made it happen, the decisions that made it happen, the the quirks of history that made it happen. Yeah. Um, you know, like how did the fact that weird Al had a parody song in 1983 <laughs> about jeopardy, yeah. that was kind of part of the reason that the show came back. And now, you know, 40 years later, it's the number one rated non-sports show on television. Wild. Like, just wild. And, right? Like, how do we get from there to here? And so yeah. we're, it's just like picking apart various parts of what makes the show what it is, how those things came about. And to try to, I mean, like when you think about it in that context, it's like, it kind of makes your brain crunch. So it's like, yeah. how can we make sense of, of, of this amazing phenomenon. Well, and what's wild about it is, I mean, I think the casual sort of, I mean, anyone who's a Jeopardy fanatic knows probably the entire history of Jeopardy from when it started till now. But like for casual viewers, like I, I was surprised that it existed before Alex Trebek and that right. Merv Griffin had, I mean, I was reading a thing from the 1963, the Associated Press, Merv Griffin was talking about the creation and how, how Merv Griffin, who, I mean, 
I don't know a lot about Merv Griffin, but I wouldn't necessarily think he's the most intelligent person. Like I would think he's sort of like yeah. an entertainer type person. And right. he had this idea because there hadn't been a question and answer show since like the 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 scandals the of quiz the show theater. scandal. Exactly. And it was actually and it was his wife actually who said, "Why don't you give him the answers?" Which is so that's the Merv Griffin approach. Like he might not be able to answer all the or come up right. with all the questions, but he can come up with the, 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 the gimmick of flipping the question and answer. Yeah. And by the way, like one thing that we talked about that was so, also brilliant was the NBC execs in the first, you know, when the show started said the questions are too hard. You got to make them easier. And, and Merv said, OK, and he made the questions harder and the ratings went up. Wow. You know, he just like had this in- intuition. He's like, it's not, that's not what it's about. It's not about it's, you know, it's, we don't watch the Olympics thinking, Oh, I could do that. We're like, Holy shit. And maybe yeah. I can do part of that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you think when people listen to the podcast, what do you think people are going to be surprised to learn about the history of jeopardy? I think, well, one thing that I'm really excited about is that because, you know, we're doing it with the show of Jeopardy, we have access to all the people who, you know, a lot of the people who work on the show have been working on the show, if not from the beginning, for decades. Wow. So a lot of these moments that we're talking about, you know, we do a whole episode on Ken's run. Mm-hmm. And we have the people who were the producers, the contestant coordinators, the executive producers on the show who were sitting backstage going, holy shit, do we just break the show is is this guy never going to lose you yeah. know and the, and the show's over and taking us through those moments like kind of wow. from the inside out you know it's so cool how how often do you have that kind of access to be able to you know now we all know ken won it was 74 games blah 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 blah, blah. Yeah. but like to be able to put us back in these moments you know put us back where you know alex is the new host yeah and how has he received you know yeah. we all think of him as alex of course alex is, is the host of jeopardy yeah that wasn't the case in 1983 yeah. or 82, you know, before that happened mm-hmm. and how that was received. Um, so there's so many things and we, and we, we, it's not just, you know, a Wikipedia page. Yeah. We're kind of like sharing the people who lived these moments and kind of struggled and wrestled with a lot of the decisions that ultimately have brought us this show that, you know, we as a country or, you know, include, I'll say I'll include Canada as a, yeah. you know, U S and Canada just absolutely adore. We yeah. really adore. I mean, people adore this show. Yeah. It's, it's one of the few things that is just a like unqualified positive in people's lives. Yeah. And it's, it's the parameter for like, you meet someone at a party and if you find out they're a Jeopardy fan, you and you're, I mean, you immediately click. It's like, a, you know, this person's going to be well, going to follow the news and understand culture and all of the things. It's yeah, it's the barometer for so many different things. Yeah. Yeah. And there are, and, you know, in 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 this day and age when I think there's uh, such a uh, relativism of I remember the Stephen Colbert when he had the Colbert report, like coined the truthiness. Right. Yes, yeah. And like, there's no truthiness on Jeopardy. I mean, there's something so reassuring about like, you're right, you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that, and that, and that there's a lot of confidence in, in, because they really do their research and they really, um, we do a whole episode following the writers and researchers, how you go from like creating a, a clue, a category, putting together a game. And then what happens on set when somebody says something that they didn't anticipate and they'll stop the game. Like wow. you don't see it at home. 
but the game stops and there's a whole offsite space where the library is and people pull out encyclopedias and are online like, oh, could should we accept this? Or, you know, and they, they try to pin the clues. So there's only one correct response, but you never, you know, sometimes you don't think of something. And um, so we kind of take you through a moment where like the game stops and everybody starts figuring out, okay, can we accept this? Yes or no. And how do we handle that? So there's, there's a lot that goes into this half hour experience that seems so like a bow is on it. And so we look at like the weeks and months from the contestant perspective, host perspective, writer perspective, producer's perspective that brings us that half hour. And also the, you know, at this point, 60 years of history that also bring us that half hour. Yeah. So that's kind of the way we're looking at it. It's so interesting to me. It's like, it's, well, I mean, one of the things that I think I'm really excited about for the podcast is to hear from other contestants like yourself. I and mean, we know Ken's going to be on, but like what other contestants will be on the podcast? Yes. So, um, we, um, we talked to a, a bunch of different people. Um, one really interesting, um, episode that we we recently did you know ken won 74 games well that means he beat 148 people whose dream was to be on jeopardy (laughs) and we talked to a ton of them and a lot of them were really happy and and ready to talk about it like what an interesting perspective that you know ken's the one who gets interviewed ken's the one who goes on good morning america to talk about it but what was it like to just like be in the green room and it's like oh yeah this guy has won 56 games you're about to play him you know, like the stress. Um, yeah. Or just like, how do you like not just give up then? Yeah. So, you know, he's someone I, we did a long interview with Amy Schneider, which um, I'm really excited about. We talked to James. Uh, we talked to Brad Rudder. We're doing um, an episode as well on kind of the a- after you're on the show, the kind of Jeopardy alumni networks that exist mm. out there in the yeah. community, because there is a really beautiful and connected community that yeah. continues to do various kinds of quizzing and, and, and talk about the show. And so um, those are, you know, all of those people and more. And w- what's really cool is there are people who work on the show now who started out as contestants and loved the show and then applied. So we talked to them as well and they, oh, that's great. you know, share their perspective. Well, so it gets me to a thing that I've always sort of thought about. Cause like, I've never thought I was smart enough to be on jeopardy, but I would imagine when you are a contestant, which you have this experience, when you are a contestant, how much, A, how much time does it take for you to prepare for something like Jeopardy? How much time do you even have? And B, like, how do you handle, like, if you do continue winning, like the greats like yourself and others do continue winning, what is the stress like at the hotel when you get back at the end of the day to win the next day? Like, I couldn't take the anxiety. Yeah, well, uh, so, you know, it, it, Depending on when it, it, things are taping, uh, you know, I think I had about six weeks notice, mm. uh, which I think is about average, you know, four to eight weeks. Sometimes they have more lead time. Sometimes they have less. I know COVID changed things a little bit. Right. But I think we're kind of back to that averaging six weeks. And I think a lot of people, once they do their in-person, in-person audition, which I think is over Zoom now, yeah, they start their studying because you don't know where you're going to get called. And six weeks is really, you can kind of get into fighting shape, but it's not enough time to really do a deep preparation. Yeah. Um, so um, I, my experience was I, you know, my first game was the Monday game. I won five games. I went out to dinner with my wife and my uh, sister and brother-in-law who had come out for the taping. 
because they also taped around my birthday. So I, you know, it was kind of like a birthday thing. Yeah. And then I tried to go to sleep. And I mean, I was reliving all of the highs and lows, especially like the things you miss that you're mad about. Like you relive those over and over again. I did not sleep well. I did not sleep well. And then I went back and I taped the next five shows the next day. Wow. So I think, you know, I, I did okay, but I don't think anyone else would notice it. But when I watch that Friday show from the second tape date, I can see on my face that I'm kind of starting yeah. to drag. And we recently talked, um, one, a contestant was like the best, the advice that all of the other champions I spoke to said was make sure you like have a good breakfast, make sure you're eating during the day because you're on your feet for five straight shows. Forget about the stress. Like most yeah. of us are not on our feet for two and a half hours anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. in dress shoes. That's so wild to me. I mean, there's on Survivor right now, there's this contestant Carson, young kid who like literally physically trained yeah. for a year just to be on this show. And I, it makes me think of like Jeopardy. Yes. Whereas like you probably do, you should do some squats to stand for two and a half hours. Like you should probably prepare I, a little bit. I trained at the gym. You know, the next times I was going on the show, I trained at the gym and I did. I would also train at the gym to like recreate the stress. So I'd hang from a chin up bar and have my trainer ask me questions. Cause that's kind of what it's like when your like mind goes blank on the show. Yeah. And I did like, um, forearm strength, like grip strength for the clicker. So that like, you know, for the, buzz, for the- <laughs> <laughs> so I would grab like 95 pound dumbbells and just like walk around the gym for as long as Buzzy. I could until my forearms died. Buzzy. That is so, yeah, I'm a psycho. Though. That is so stupid, but fun. That is so <laughs> stupid, but fun. Wait, I mean, if you're going to do it, yeah, just do go all the way, get you that, know, get that thumb strong. You know what I mean? Get that, get yeah. that thumb strong. Well, so it gets me to, uh, one of the things back that to I'm, the podcast. Yes. Back to the podcast. <laughs> one of the things that I'm wondering is like in this sort of post Trebek era that we're entering, Because we are, I mean, the show is entering into a new era and it's changing in a lot of different ways. And Mm -hmm. I want to know how will the podcast show and how do you think in general the show is evolving for people into like a new era? Yeah, I think one of the great things that's happening is there is a desire to get more Jeopardy out there. You know, there's more Jeopardy happening now than there ever was. So we have celebrity jeopardy in prime time masters in prime time there was the jeopardy national college championship in prime time so there were like times where you could watch a syndicated jeopardy and these prime time um events mm-hmm. and i think there's just going to be more jeopardy and i think that ultimately that is a good thing i think people want more of this and the fact that there's a capacity to make more is a good thing and what these things also do is they give the team a chance to try out some little tweaks that aren't like, you know, celebrity jeopardy had triple jeopardy, yeah. for example. Yeah. Okay. Let's, you know, I don't know if I want a triple jeopardy in my everyday jeopardy like that. That is good and clean. That works. Yeah. But even things like people want to see, you know, have been asking, Oh, can you sh- display the category along with the clue when it takes over your screen? That's something people have asked for. And they can try stuff like that on these sort of shorter run things without messing with what we love about the show. And the other thing is this podcast and Inside Jeopardy are both giving people more access to the show. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is pushing the show forward, right? It's the new model of like, the more we share, the more people come as opposed to kind of an older model of like of control, right? Yeah, You know, an old media, new media kind of approach. Mm -hmm. And so I think that people are feeling more and more connected to the show in in a great way. And I think what this is jeopardy is really focused on is like 
why do people want more of this? Why do people feel so connected? I don't think anybody, I don't want to name any particular game shows, but I don't think anybody gives a shit about knowing more about certain game shows and how they get made. Going through a list now. Going through a list of shows. (laughs) But there's something about this that's different, that feels different, that that makes you care about the how and the why. And so I think as we go forward, we're going to, have more it's really looking at these moments and yeah i mean we talked about like what are the eras of the show there's you know the art fleming era mm-hmm. trebek era then there's like sort of the ken moment that was an inflection point for the show and then there's kind of like the post ken era yeah and then there's the post alex era and i think you know michael davies has been very uh the executive producer of the show has been has been very forthcoming about what he sees you know he wants to he wants there to be a jeopardy universe yeah you know where there's multiple ways that you can be on the show or being participating with the show not Mm -hmm. on tv or you know there's obviously jeopardy has a huge audience but who are the people that they're not reaching by just being on syndicated and how can we create something that reaches them so there's all kinds of stuff like that and it's interesting to look at how that relates to the history of Jeopardy from being a network game show to being a syndicated show and all these different ways that the show has sort of adapted over time. And also, I think what's so great about what you're doing with the podcast in general and everything else you're doing with Jeopardy is that, you know, so often, like you said, we only see Ken on Good Morning America or we only see one aspect of sort of the show. And that can be limiting, whereas with the podcast, you can really highlight a diverse set of voices and experiences yeah. around how we watch and enjoy Jeopardy. And it, it's, it's, yes. a, it's a whole plethora of types of people out there who are into totally. Jeopardy. And it's, it's so great that it expands the universe in a way of Jeopardy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it lets those people know that we see them and that they're a part of our community just as much as the, whether they're contestants or vocal Twitter or the Reddit <laughs> crowd or whoever they are. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, the people who are watching at home with a pad and pencil keeping score, you know, or their calculator or whatever it is like, that's our community as well. And so I think it's great to give something to all of them. Totally. Well, my last question for you is this comes from a personal place. Cause I'm one of those people that if I get something wrong or if I don't say something that I wanted to say, it'll stew in my brain. It'll eat at me and eat at me. I want to know if there's ever a category or an answer that was yes. uh, th- that you to this day, yes. it just, it just lives in you and you're just angry about it that you got. There's wrong. like, there are like hundreds of them. <laughs> I feel like the one that really messes with me still is in the tournament of champions. The first day of the finals, there was a question and it was essentially asking about the launch of the iPhone. Yeah. And I, I, my day job, I work in advertising. I, I'm a music supervisor for ads. And I worked I, at an ad agency. We had one client that was Apple. I did all the music for Apple ads for four years, mm. including the iPhone. Wow. And I missed that question. Wow. I can see how that would be embarrassing. How did you return yeah. to work? You know, I still won. So I can be like, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, you're, but, still, <laughs> you're still good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think I, I'm also the kind of person who in spite of being a Jeopardy champion, do not pretend to know everything. And it's yeah. especially, I, you know, on like a serious note, it's very easy to miss the stuff that we know really well because it yeah. seems so obvious to us. And we're like digging and digging and digging. Like, mm-hmm. oh, But of course, the stuff that's right in front of us, we miss. Yeah, you know? totally. Well, Buzzy, thank you so much for doing this. No, I really thank appreciate you. it. It was so much fun chatting with you. Likewise. 
You can find a link to This Is Jeopardy in this episode's show notes. And do you think you're smart enough to be on Jeopardy? Actually, I think I'm probably only qualified to do the This Is Jeopardy announcement. But of course, I would do it and it would sound like a vaudeville person announcing Jeopardy. It wouldn't really work. Anyway, let me know what you think and if you think you could be on Jeopardy. I'm H. Allen Scott on everything. And thanks for listening to Newsweek's Parting Shot. I hope you're able to leave a little rating and review wherever you are listening to this episode right now. And for the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all the social platforms. And while you're there, subscribe to Newsweek's For the Culture newsletter. Until then, watch something fun and have a great day. Being a staple in American media for over 90 years, Newsweek now brings you an exceptional lineup of podcasts. The debate. They'll recognize how these policies aren't working. They'll feel the pain and they'll change their behavior. The Josh Hammer Show. Restore the principles and the political paradigms of the American founding. The Crystal Knight Show. Just because officers are black doesn't mean that the policing system still isn't inherently racist. Fast women. Chevy's actually doing really well and Honda's really not. Wow. (laughs) It's like the opposite of most people's perception of them. It is. The Parting Shot. Every year when the new nominations are announced, I get this excited, nostalgic feeling, and it brings out that little kid in me who just loved movies. The Royal Report. Harry and Meghan's head of comms has announced they now move forward to their kind of future outside the royal family. Newsweek Podcasts. New episodes drop weekly. Download or listen now at Newsweek.com or wherever you get your podcasts.